0: Let's all stand together, and worship. Lord, we invite you here this morning. We've come to worship you, Lord, and we honor this time. We give this time to you in Jesus name.
1: i
2: We exalt you, Lord. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you, God, that you are our shelter that our strength is in you, that we don't stand on things of this world. We don't hope in things that we can take care of, but our hope is in you. Our hope is in you this morning, Father.
0: our God.
2: holy, Lord. You are holy. We exalt you. We exalt you. We exalt you. All right. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you. You guys may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Harvest Church. I want to give you a personal welcome. My name is Tim, and I'm doing your announcing this morning. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. No, um, but if it's your first time here, or maybe you've been here a bunch of times, but we have coffee on the patio, I'd like to invite you to get a cup and enjoy. And um, if you haven't filled out a communication card so we can get to know you a little bit better, please take a moment and do that this morning. We have communication cards in the, in the chair backs and uh, pens, and just drop that off at the info center back there. I'm gonna be pointing to the info center a lot during this. Um, so if you wanna, everybody just crane your neck back there. It, it, it's back there. There's a couple of nice gentlemen back there um, to answer all your questions. They have all the info. That's the center for the info. I just have a little bit of info. They have all of it, so um, what is happening uh this coming week? It's kind of a big deal. We do it every couple years. I no, it's the week after, huh? We're voting right <laughs> right Tuesday, November eighth okay, um, so we as Christians need to vote for things for uh, laws and things in our government that uh, align with our biblical and Christian values. If we don't vote, other people will, and they'll vote in things that we don't agree with. So um, just a little plug here about, about that. We want to encourage you guys uh, to get out and vote, exercise that right you have. If you need information about what's to vote for, who is standing for what, and whatnot, we actually have some resources at the Info Center for you, some nonpartisan um, voting resources there. There's a QR code you can scan that will take you to uh, kind of a side by side on all the issues and uh, give you some information on that. I know I'm going to be doing that, and so uh, I'll see you guys at the polls voting on Tuesday, November 8th. And uh, yeah, cool. So uh, there's also something really huge happening. I can I just say it's really cool to be where we're at in the village, right on this main drag. Um, So, with that, a lot of these community events happen right here and we get to be right in the middle of them and a part of them and one of those is tomorrow we have this, uh, they're doing a trick-or-treat in the village tomorrow from 3 to 5 p.m. and we are going to have a big carnival in here so we're going to clear out all of the chairs and we're going to set up all of these uh, kind of canopies and tents and we're going to have carnival games going for kids and all that candy you donated, we're going to be handing it all out to thousands of children and so thank you for donating candy if you did. Um, but we also need volunteers for this, so uh, that's happening tomorrow from three to five. Uh, today we need people after the eleven eleven p.m. service, eleven a.m. service, excuse me, um, from twelve thirty to two p.m. We're going to be clearing out all of these chairs and getting some stuff set up for that. Um, and if so, if you want to stay after that, that would be amazing. Uh, tomorrow, uh, if you want to help set up before the event, show up at two p.m. here, and then if you'd like to help uh, put everything away after uh 5 p.m. is the time you want to be here in the in the building. Um so so that's that. The Hurricane Ian relief is still happening. Um we set a goal to raise $50,000 and I still think we can reach that goal. We're we're uh do we know do we have a number? We're at 20,000. That's awesome. That's almost halfway. Come on. So um so that's still happening and we are so Please navigate to our website or go to the Info Center if you'd like to donate money to that. We're also talking, uh, throwing around the idea of actually sending a team there in partnership with the Salvation Army to help with the relief effort. So if you want to get involved with that, again, head to the Info Center and let us know. Um, The Operation Christmas Child boxes, you guys did so good, we ran out of boxes last week. So pat yourself on the back. But good news, we have more this week. So please, if you want to be a part of the Operation Christmas Child, if you don't know what it is, we fill a box. You, you fill a box with all kinds of goodies, and it gets sent off to a child in need um, in another country. So uh, yes, and we're actually throwing around the idea of actually sending a team to on December 9th to their packing facility um, in Southern California. So if you're interested in getting involved in that trip, head to the Info Center. And uh, that's all I have for you. Uh, At this time, I'd like you to stand up and look around you and find somebody that you don't, haven't talked to yet or maybe don't even know and go introduce yourself and uh, meet them.
3: Good morning, everybody. Welcome. So glad to see all of you enjoying the fellowship. If you want to come on back and find your seats, that would be great. Come on back and find your seats. All right. My name is Curtis. If we haven't met before, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, I'm going to be bringing the word this morning, and uh, we are going to be talking about uh First Peter two, and it's going to be really great. I'm excited about what we have this morning, um, but first off, I just want to say the reason I'm up here is because my dad is out of town. He's refreshing. He's at Hume Lake, and uh, he's getting a chance to, uh, you know, get some refreshing time in nature, uh, go to some, go see some uh, services and stuff like that. So he's he's refreshing over there, and so he told me on Tuesday afternoon that I was going to be preaching today. And it's been a while, so I'm I'm excited, uh, and I think it's going to be really great. So, uh, the Lord is good, and He's got this. So, uh, we're going to pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord, we love you so much. We're grateful for your presence in this place. I'm grateful for each and every person who's here. I just pray that you administer to each person. You know exactly every every person's needs. You know what's in our hearts. You know what's in our minds. And your Holy Spirit is the only one that can speak um, to every heart in here and so we just ask that you would do that Uh, I submit myself to you I am um, totally dependent on you Jesus and I never want to grow out of that in Jesus name amen all right so in uh, in 2015 I had the opportunity to go to Turkey and to Azerbaijan and um, on that trip uh, it was incredible. Turkey was kind of thrown in at the last minute, but the whole goal was to go to Azerbaijan to basically visit some of these hill country tribes. They were kind of uh, minority groups that were tucked into the mountains who uh, didn't have uh, the, the Bible in their language. So uh, if you were here a few years ago, we um, but just leading up to that uh, 2015 trip, we were raising money to get the Bible translated into... That, uh, that language, it's called Jehuri. And so I went basically on like a scouting trip beforehand, uh, before the gospel got there. Um, and we were able to just minister to people and travel around and it was a really powerful time. So um, during that time, we, uh, we land on the ground and we meet with a couple of different people. And then we all pile into this little van and um this little white van that's like looks like it's gonna fall apart if you hit a speed bump you know and so we start going back into these mountains and about three hours into that drive um we're just bumping along you know there's no paved roads and um we finally get to this place we're going and we all pile out of the car and it's this little white house And, um, basically we were going to the church that meets in that house and it was a church of about about 10 people and they're all, um, you know, they've all been, uh, persecuted for their faith. So all of them have lost their families, they've lost their friends, they've lost their jobs, they've lost their homes, they've uh, been imprisoned, they've been beaten. Every single one of them have experienced all of these things. And, you know, me sitting there, I felt like, you know, if a gust of wind came through the window, my faith would blow over in the midst of these amazing people. Um, And they were just so inspiring. And I think one of the most powerful things about them is they really understood the value of the family of God because they lost their own family. They don't have any, any stability around them. They're clinging to the family of God. And I think in Western Christianity, we really don't understand the value that is found in the family of God. And so we're going to be talking about that today in First Peter 2. Um, but I'm going to give a little bit of context because we, uh, my dad taught on First Peter 1 a while ago now. Um, we took a break to do the Identity Series, and we did a couple of other things. And so uh, now we're just coming back. So I'm going to give us some context for that. Also, babe, would you mind grabbing me my water right there? Thanks. Um, so... Yes, thank you. So, in First Peter 1, basically Peter is speaking to, uh, in all of First Peter, he's speaking to this group of Gentiles. Uh, he wrote this letter to the churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and he wrote this letter to these Gentiles who have been saved, but they're immature in their faith. And, so he's writing this letter to encourage them and give them some um, context for what faith they've joined. Because at, to this point, you know, they they've become Christians. They said, "They yes, I believe in Jesus," but they don't understand all of the backstory that we see through the through the new or through the Old Testament. You know, Israelites when they came to Jesus, they understood all of the history. And so, Peter is is his primary mission. Um, initially, when he was uh, evangelizing, was to Jews, so he understood the whole context, and so here he's going to be uh, helping these Gentiles to understand. Um, where they stand in the family of God. And uh, all of these Gentiles, as well, they've, they've been persecuted, they're suffering, they're in hardship. And so uh, Jesus or Paul, Peter is encouraging them and telling them, hey, you belong to a new family. Um, so he talks about how they're the chosen people of God in 1 Peter 1. Um, he says that through Jesus, he's our cornerstone, and now we're a part of the family of Israel. He says they're um, they're misunderstood, much like Abraham was misunderstood, uh, and he's the father of Israel. So he's connecting um, these different things that they would have been experiencing. You know, he's they're experiencing this lack. They're experiencing this misunderstood feeling of like we're in a world that doesn't accept us. Um, they're feeling mistreated, all these things. And so uh, basically Peter's saying you're not alone in that. Uh, also, Abraham and the Israelites experienced that same exact thing. So you're, you're in good hands. Um, then in 1 Peter 1, 1.3, it says that they have a new identity, a new hope, and a new family. Then in um, 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Just like the Israelites, the Gentiles are called to gird up their loins and leave behind their former way of life. Then in 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16, they're called the holy people of God in the wilderness, just like Israel was the holy people of God in the wilderness. They're called the new Exodus, and that they have this new form of a Passover that's through Jesus, his blood on their lives is what would what would set them free and save their, save their lives. Then they're called the people of the new covenant in 1 Peter 1, through 25. They're called the new temple, which is what we're going to be talking about today, this new temple built on the foundation of Jesus. And they're also called the new kingdom of priests. So we're going to be talking about those two things, the new temple built on the foundation of Jesus and the new kingdom of priests. And that's found in 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10. So 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. So uh, clearly this was happening for these Gentiles, or else Peter wouldn't have said it. So laying aside all those things as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word. so as, So he's saying, as newborn babies, you should be desiring the pure milk of the word as often as a newborn desires milk. Has anybody had a newborn in here? Do you know how often newborns desire milk? Like that's roughly every three hours. So, you know, we should be desiring the word as often as newborns desire milk. So if you have a newborn and every time they desire milk, you should be like, oh wait, I need to read the word too, you know? (laughs) Good good reminder. (laughs) You know, maybe while you're feeding your baby, I don't know. But, um, and then... (laughs) that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Isn't it interesting that it says that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious? It really speaks to the fact that um, our faith is not just um, an intellectual understanding, but it's a experiential thing. It's it's not just intellectual, we experience it as well in that f- 1 Peter 2 3, it says, Tasted that the Lord is gracious. Then in Psalm 34 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. So it's not just intellectual. This belief is not just intellectual, it's experiential. And basically, what I'm getting to today. The, the title of our message is be- Behaving Like Believers. And that's what we're going to be talking about, because through this inter- interweaving of talking about our position in the family of God, it's really to understand where we belong, because um, it's one thing to believe to be a believer. It's quite another thing to behave like you're a believer. And I don't know if you all have been in the same boat. But for me, I did not always behave like I was a believer. I, I believed, but I didn't always behave like it. And I think a lot of time that stretch is is a big gap to leap. Like I'm, yes, I believe, but Jesus, how do I behave? <laughs> and um, I think in the middle is this uh, this sense of belonging. So it's believe then belonging and then we behave <laughs> so that's what we're going to be talking about today is this sense of belonging within the family of god once we get a hold of that once we get a hold of belonging to christ once we get a hold of belonging to god's people we belong to each other then we can behave like christians so first peter 2 4 through 5 says coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men But chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So there's this theme of rejection kind of woven through, and I think it's just another way that Peter's saying, No, you're not the only ones who have been rejected. You know, when you're going through a difficult situation, you feel like you're the only one there. You feel like nobody else is struggling with this. Nobody else is going through this. I think they felt that exact same way. You know, we have it harder than everybody else. Nobody else knows what this is like. Peter is saying, no, you're not the only one that's been rejected. Jesus was rejected as well. In John 1, 10 through 12, it says, Jesus, he, he, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Jesus, he, Jesus, came to his own, Creation, he came to his own creation and his own did not receive him. So Jesus came and, and we did not receive him. So Jesus was familiar with rejection as well. Um, and then it ta- this in, in that same verse, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, it talks about how we are living stones being built up, a spiritual house. So we are all living stones a part of a spiritual house that God is building. Construction in that day was very different from how it is today. You see, like, we have these poles and I-beams and stuff like that. It was not that way. we I don't know if you knew that. Am I shocking anybody by saying that? No? Okay. So, the way they would do it then is they would find a cornerstone. And the cornerstone was a big, square stone that was as as square as they could find um, that was strong and sturdy that they could put at the corner of the house and then all of their other measurements, all of the other stones were shaped around that stone, measured off of that stone to create a sturdy house. So um, can I get a volunteer? Does is, is anybody want to come up here? I'm not going to tell you what it's for until you come up. Uh, <laughs> yes, come up here, man. What's your name? John Eric. John Eric. All right, sweet come up here. So we've got this Jenga right here. Have you ever played Jenga before? Okay. Okay. So what I want you to do is grab a few of the, of the pieces from here and and place them on top. Okay. It's a, it's a new game. It's brand new. So they're kind of sticky. It's making it hard. Nice. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Let's give him a hand. Thanks. <laughs> all right. So just like when you're taking out these Jenga pieces, the, the whole structure becomes shaky, right? It starts to move. Um, what if I was to tell him to take out all these bottom pieces, like all three of the bottom ones, what do you think would happen? The whole thing goes, right? And just like that, if we don't have Jesus as our, as our cornerstone, as our foundation, the whole thing tumbles, right? And um, just like those top pieces, those are us. Those are us, those are the believers, the living stones that, um, that need to be a part of the family of God. If we're not a part of the family of God, then the whole thing becomes shaky, right? So we, we need to occupy our proper space within the family of God. Um, Adam Clark he's a he wrote Clark's commentary uh, he had this he had this quote about this verse it says as stones of a building are of of no use but as they occupy their proper places in a building and rest on the foundation so our job is to occupy our proper place in the building the spiritual building the family of God and then our job is also to rest on the foundation, which is Jesus. So in 1 Peter 2, 5, it says, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That holy priesthood is also talked about in Exodus nineteen six. It says, You shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So priestly duties in the Old Testament were basically two things. They were to atone for the sins of Israel, and they were for the priests to draw near to God. Um, So now today in the new covenant, um, it is Jesus's job to atone for the sins of Israel, and it's our our job to draw near to God in the new new covenant. So those spiritual sacrifices that he's talking about, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ... um, We're not in the sacrificial system anymore in the Old Testament, so what are these spiritual sacrifices supposed to be? Um, Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercy, to offer up your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is good, "'pleasing, and perfect will of God. "'For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, "'do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, "'but think of yourselves with sober judgment, "'according to the measure of faith God has given you. "'Just as each of us has one body with many members, "'not all members have the same function. "'So in Christ, we who are many are one body, "'and each member belongs to one another.'" each member belongs to one another so from this we learn two things that we are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to god we are the living sacrifice to god and that we need to realize that we belong to one another i think this is an area that we really struggle with as the church and i'll get into that a little bit more later but in first peter 2 6 it says therefore it also contained in the scriptures behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by, be no me, by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were appointed. It's that whole space in the middle, right? (laughs) We can believe all we want, but how do we actually act like we're Christians? How do we behave like we're Christians? Uh, If we don't have Christ as our cornerstone individually, we cannot. (laughs) It's going to be a lot harder for us as a church in general to have Christ as our cornerstone. We all need to each individually have Christ as our cornerstone. And then, if we don't all occupy our space within the family of God, the house becomes shaky. So, we are reliant, not we, we are, we have a responsibility not just to God, but to one another. So, just like in Jenga, if you take away Jesus, the house will fall. If you remove the the pieces, the house becomes shaky. So, what are you trusting in? Um, I think. You know, oftentimes today, you know, we, if somebody says, hey, what do you do? Who are you? What are you up to? You know, you'll say something like, oh, I do this for work, and I do this for fun, and oh, I'm a hunter, or I'm an architect, or I'm a football player, or whatever, whatever your identity might be found in. Um, and I think that our, our, pri- our priority, our first um, identity is who we belong to. In the, in the family of God. So our first thing that we should say is, when somebody asks who you are, you should say, I'm a follower of God. That's, that's number one, that's number one. So Luke 10, 20, the disciples in Luke had come to uh, Jesus and they were very excited about all the things that they were doing. The disciples had just been on a, a tour basically of doing miracles all over the place. And they had done incredible things, cast out demons, uh, seeing miracles, people healed, all this stuff, and, um, and then they're telling Jesus all the things that had happened, and in Luke ten twenty, it says, nevertheless do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What Jesus is saying is that don't rejoice in what happens, what you do, what you're associated with, <laughs> don't rejoice in what you do, even if it's spiritual things. Even if you have this amazing spiritual gift that you're exercising, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because you are a child of God. Rejoice because you're within the family of God. The biggest miracle is that Jesus has saved you, redeemed you, brought you into his family. That's the biggest miracle. So our identity must be found completely in Jesus as our cornerstone. The way that houses were built because the cornerstone was there and then everything else was measured off of it, if Jesus, you can't have like uh, a little bit of Jesus in your spiritual house um, because Jesus is the cornerstone on which everything else is measured off of. (laughs) So if Jesus isn't the cornerstone, he's not in the house. He's not. You're not measuring off of anything, <laughs> so we need to make sure that Jesus is the cornerstone of our houses individually and corporately. Is, your, is every part of your life measured off of Jesus? Is every part of what you do, every priority that you have, everything that you're working toward measured off of Jesus? Jesus. See, God wants us to believe in him, he want, but he wants us also to understand that we belong to him and that we belong to the fellow believers so that we can behave like believers. It's similar to when you get married. I recently got married, and so I go straight to this analogy, but, um, but when, before you're married, uh, you can live one way. Like, okay, so with my turkey trip, Uh, All I did was I just planned and I went and and it was pretty short time frame like I just ended up going, you know, pretty, pretty quick. And then I was gone for two months. So with um, with my marriage, Clark would not appreciate it very much if I came home and I said, hey, I'm going to Turkey tomorrow. I'll be gone for two months. See you later. She would not. I can tell you right now that's because I can't live like I used to live when I was single. Just like that, we cannot live like Jesus is not the cornerstone and say that he is. We can't live the exact same way, have the same goals, have the same priorities and everything else, and just slap Jesus' name on it and call it good. Like we, Jesus is the thing that we are measuring off of, or he is not in the house at all, okay? So um, I found this out the hard way. <laughs> um, I, for most of my. Um, Christian life, I did not know how to behave like a believer. Um, I would try really hard, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I would give it my best, and I would always fail. And I still fail right now, but I'm saying that once I understood that I need to belong into, in the family of God, that when I joined a men's group that's what changed it all for me. I had accountability. I had motivation. I had people keeping me in line and telling me, hey, you need to clean this up. Or, hey, you really did this well. Great job. You know, you keep moving in that direction. When you have people around you who are, you're completely vulnerable with, you can say anything to them. And they're going to take that and they're going to set you on the right path. I think that, is, that was the key for me that moved me from just a belief An experiential, uh, intellectual belief to this being able to actually walk it out. So, if you're in that place, do something about it. Don't. Don't. (laughs) It's on you. You are the one who has control over this. You can join a group. You can be vulnerable with the people of God. There's. It's. It's so frustrating to me to see. You know, people can go around the same cycles of emotional high, to emotional low, and they're, they're all over the place and wishy-washy and all this stuff in their faith for years. And I was there, I've done that. And then, you know, the key is, is just to belong in the family of God, like actually be vulnerable, be with other people, allow them into the fight, like uh, let people in. So verse nine, it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. So he's just hammering home their identity. So this is for us as well. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation and his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, You once were not a people. You once were just people scattered around. I I once was just just a guy trying to do my best. But now we are the people of God. We're the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. We need to behave like this. We need to behave like we're a chosen generation, that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people, that we're the people of God. We need to behave like it. And we need to belong to the family of God to behave like it. So, back in verse 1, it said, We behave like it by reading the word as often as newborns desire milk. And then in Romans 12, 5, which we read, it says uh, that we need to take responsibility that we are members of the body. We belong to each other. This isn't like an external thing or something that we can throw away to the side. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, he's got to be the cornerstone. And we, the way that um, the rocks would have to intermesh together, there's like to make the building secure, the rocks have to be touching. They have to be in contact. We've, <laughs> we've, we're the living stones. We've got to be gaining support from one another. We've got to. There's, there's just no option. We belong to one another. So um, in Acts 2, it says, Acts two forty-two through 47, and this is just a great example of what a church looks like that's fully measuring their lives off of Jesus, that's fully invested. So it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles'. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Does that sound like they were kind of, you know, rocks scattered about? No, these people were one spiritual building. They had all of this in common. They sold their possessions and their goods. They divided them among them all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord, one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those who had been saved. We belong to one another. We can't do it. We can't do it alone. There's no, I heard a pastor say there's no Lone Ranger Christianity. There's not. There's not. You can't can't be out there doing it on your own. Um, People say all the time, like, oh, I don't believe in organized religion. If you want to call this organized religion, but (laughs) whatever you want to call it, it's what the word says. So what are you going to do with that? Like you can say you don't believe in organized religion all you want, but when Jesus calls you to do it, are you going to do it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's be a house that's built on the cornerstone of Jesus, intermixed, intertwined, loving on each other, growing with each other, and spurring each other on. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll, we'll have the worship team come up. Lord Jesus This is not some external thing, some peripheral thing that that we can take or leave, Jesus, but we are meant to be living stones within a spiritual house. And I just pray that you'd remove the ideas that we need to conserve our time or that we need to give our efforts to other things. Jesus, if we're not giving our efforts to the things that you tell us to, what are we doing? God, we love you so much. We want to obey you. We want to serve you. We want to be those living stones that are completely reliant on you. Help us to be dependent on one another. Help us to learn the value of being dependent on one another. Jesus, you're incredible. You've given us an amazing blueprint for how we can uh, follow you and be successful doing it. So Lord, I pray that we would not be people who just believe. Help us to be people who behave like followers of Jesus and that we would belong in the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Who taught the glory stars to shine Perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing But this joy
0: We praise you today. We thank you for, for being here with us. We thank you for your word. We pray for all of us, Lord, that you give us the, the power and the strength to walk with you this week. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, give us ears to hear. Give us strength to walk the path you want us to walk. Thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.